Well, again, good morning. Uh, we are, we're currently in a series we're calling The Story, Stranger Things. Um, if you were here about, I don't know, four years ago or so, we went through a book called The Story, and, and people loved it. Uh, the Story, if you, if you don't know what it is, is basically, it's kind of like an edited down Bible to make it read more like a novel or, or a story book. It really, the, the goal of the story was to say, the scriptures are this big, giant story that, we're, that we actually are a part of, and let me show you what it looks like. And so it really gives you the scope of what the scriptures are trying to do and, God is, and what God is trying to do in the scriptures. Anyway, it didn't change the Bible. It was nothing like that, but it tried to make the broader story more prevalent or maybe more easily digestible. Now, uh, in this series, what we're doing is um, we're going with the story again, except with a bit of a twist. What we wanted to do was we wanted to find the strange or sometimes bizarre moments in the Bible, and we wanted to dive into those. And, and the reason we wanted to do that is because even in the strange or bizarre or, or just the stories we don't understand, it's amazing that God has something for us even in those stories. And so we really wanted to dive into those. Now, if you weren't here um, last week or you just need another primer to explain this, um, I'm standing in a different spot today, if you didn't notice. And there's three different spots that I'm going to be moving around the platform up here. I'm standing right now in what the story calls the lower story. And basically what the lower story is when we're dealing with the characters of a of one of the stories we read in scripture or one of the texts we read in scripture, that's what we're going to be on. We're going to be on that level, kind of dealing with those characters. And then there is the upper story that the story has, and that would be that platform over there. And basically what the upper story is, is when we read these stories, what's God's, what's God's perspective as we read stories um, in the scriptures? Like, what is God thinking and doing, and what do we need to learn about God from some of these stories? And then there's a third spot we'll go, is to this nice, comfy chair right here that I get to sit in, and you don't, and you should be jealous, because it's pretty comfortable. Anyway, that is what we like to call our story. And basically what that is, is when we read the scriptures, it intersects with our story, and we want to see how. And so when we go down here, we will be doing just that. So, uh, the story, Stranger Things, um, in the biblical story, in our story, God is at work in the unexpected things in life. And, and as you already saw on the screen, we have uh, basically a memory verse for this series. It's Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. Um, let me read it just one more time. Uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, sometimes God's thoughts and plans look different, or we might even say strange. And it's because God is God and we are not God. God sees things and does things in a way that sometimes is beyond what we would ever expect or understand. But there is a disclaimer here, and that is even in those moments when we turn the pages of Scripture and it seems strange, God is doing something in those pages and it matters for you and for me. There's grace and there's transformation and there's something in it that God has for us. Now, our Stranger Things story today is found in Genesis 32, 22 through 32. It's the story of Jacob and we can say it's strange, 
uh, and there's a stranger. Uh, Jacob gets into a bit of a wrestling match with a stranger, and we're going to kind of dive into that story. Um, our scripture reader this morning is Gail Johnston. You can head on if, you, if you'd like to, Gail. Um, what we do here is we stand for uh, God's word, and the reason we do that is because we hold scripture to such a high ideal, because scripture is the greatest story ever told. It's the story of Jesus at the center, and we uh, have great respect for that. So go ahead, Gail. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the fort of Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Thank you, Gail. You may be seated. Now, before we dive headfirst into the story, let me tell you another story. Um, I am a parent. My wife, Becca, and I, we have three kids. And our two oldest kids happen to be boys. And um, I love having boys. I love being a parent to boys for many reasons. And one of those reasons is that the things that I loved to do as a kid, I get to relive again with my boys. Those things, you know, that adults are supposed to grow out of, as a dad, you have an excuse to do those things again. It's amazing. And all the dads said, amen, probably. Um, one of the things I loved to do as a kid was watch pro wrestling. No judgment here. I loved it as a kid, and I watched hours and hours and hours of it, and my parents hated it. They could not stand that I liked professional wrestling. And uh, a couple months ago, and I will not tell you how this happened, it, I think it uh, was a miracle or something, I don't know, something mysterious happened, and our boys were exposed to professional wrestling, and they love it. And they are obsessed with professional wrestling. And we have a trampoline in our backyard. It is no longer a trampoline. It is a pro wrestling ring now. That's what it is. And our boys hop in and they just beat each other up, I guess. It's pretty awesome. And, and as a dad, you know, just because I love them, it's not because I like this or not, but I'm just trying to get on their level. I'll sometimes jump onto the trampoline with them and throw them around just a little bit. Um, but it's just because I love them, not because I like that. I grew out of that a long time ago. However, if you're thinking, I think Pastor John is saying something like pro wrestling's a good thing. Our oldest just broke his arm because of this, so it's not that great. <laughs> so our Stranger Things story this morning is basically a bizarre pro wrestling match. Like it's really what it is. It's a, it's a wrestling match featuring Jacob and then some unnamed stranger. And, and basically the story goes 
Jacob and his family, they're headed back to Jacob's homeland and, and they're traveling and they make it to the river Jabbok. And they're hanging out at the river Jabbok and, and Jacob says to his family, hey, take all our stuff, all our possessions, everything we have and all the family and you guys go to the other side of the river. And so they head off to the other side of the river. He's like, I'm gonna sleep under the stars here alone with nothing, which is strange already. Um, and then in the middle of the night under the stars, a stranger happens to walk up and then they start wrestling in the middle of the night. Now, this would normally be something that makes sense in this time period because if you were alone at night, the chances of a robber coming and wrestling with you and stealing your stuff and running away made lots of sense. But Jacob had nothing. And so they just hung out and they wrestled for like eight hours straight. And so at, at one point in the story, uh, Jacob somehow gets the upper hand in the wrestling match. And now he gets the upper hand, and so the stranger, out of desperation, it appears, pulls out what I'm going to call in the WWF world his finisher move. He pulls out his finisher move and does something to Jacob's hip, and it displaces his hip. And I imagine there's a ref that suddenly appears on the mat and then starts counting as Jacob's pinned. One, two, and then suddenly he kicks out, like right, as, right before the... Am I the only one that gets excited about pro wrestling these days? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just me. But then Jacob uh, is demanded by the stranger, Jacob, let me go. Because apparently, apparently in the story, he says, because it's morning, let me go. Because wrestling matches, if you didn't know this, must end when the sun rises. So you parents, take that with you, put it in your back pocket. If your kids are fighting, hey, the sun's up, you're not allowed to do that. It's only at nighttime you're allowed to do that. But Jacob decides in this moment that he will only let go of the stranger once the stranger, who by the way has no credibility at all, blesses him. And so eventually the stranger blesses him and renames Jacob Israel. And then comes the big twist in the story. Like this is the big strange part of the story. It appears that this stranger was no stranger at all. This stranger was in fact God. Apparently alone on the other side of the Jabbok, Jacob was wrestling with God all night long. And it gets stranger because it appears from the story that Jacob wins the wrestling match. Am I the only one that finds that strange? The God that created all things, that sent a mighty flood, that is uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the God of infinite power and strength was overcome by Jacob in a wrestling match. It's truly a strange, confusing, story. Now, as we've probably already learned in this series, in these strange stories, there's often a lot more going on, and that is true of this story as well. You see, Jacob's pro wrestling match with God is actually a story within a story. And the larger story here is the story of Jacob and his brother Esau, and the story is about blessing. You see, Abraham Abraham had a kid. His kid's name was Isaac. And you might remember Isaac because Abraham tried to sacrifice him and God said, don't do that. In this Isaac, he ended up having two twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the older brother. Jacob was the younger brother. And Jacob lived up to his name. Um, Jacob 
Uh, it literally means he takes advantage of is what his name means. So if there's any Jacobs here, by the way, that's what your name is. We've got your number, so we're watching you. We know how this works. Um, but at one point, Jacob pretends to be his older brother Esau, and, and his father, he goes to his father Isaac, and he says, hey, I'm Esau. Um, can I have my blessing now? And then apparently his dad gets duped into saying, sure. And so Jacob acquires his brother's blessing. Now, in this day, that's kind of a big deal. Older brother wants his blessing. It really matters. It's such a big deal that Esau becomes murderously angry. He is going to kill his brother. And because of that, Jacob has to flee. And he flees off to his uncle Laban's house. And in that, there's a lot of stories at uncle Laban's house. And he gets married to Leah and Rachel. And then many, many, many years later, God says, hey, Jacob, it's time to go home to where your brother Esau is. And so Jacob packs up his whole family, his whole tribe, all of his stuff, and they head over. And they get to the river Jabbok. And he sends his whole family over there. And he says, I'm going to stay here under the stars. And he wrestles with God all night long. You, you see, the story of Jacob wrestling with the stranger is a story within a story. It's actually, it's actually the night before Jacob would head off to face his brother Esau, he finds himself wrestling with God. By the way, can you imagine the anxiety of that next day looming when you're going to meet your brother and you just don't know what's he going to do? And you know, there's a reason that this story happens to be in the middle of the Jacob and Esau story. And the reason is, is that beneath Jacob's struggle with his brother Esau is a deeper struggle, a struggle with God. It's a struggle within a struggle. See, Jacob, Jacob was blessed by God. And at one point he has a dream. If you remember Jacob's ladder, it's, it's a part of this dream. And God pretty much makes a covenant with Jacob in this dream. And listen to what God says. He says, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. It's, it's the highlighted part that I want to focus on. You see, the rest, the rest, we've heard this before. God said this to Abraham, but then there's this extra piece. It's this highlighted piece that I highlighted for us this morning. Because God promises Jacob that God will be watching over Jacob in whatever circumstances. And that God will not ever leave him until God's promises to Jacob have been fulfilled. But there's a problem. Despite all of this, Jacob was afraid. You know, Jacob was afraid, yes, of what his brother would do, but Jacob's true struggle underneath this whole thing is that he didn't know if he could trust God to pull through with the promises that God made him. He just wasn't sure. And so Jacob and God wrestle this thing out in the middle of the night on the other side of the Jabbok all alone. Now, I think this intersects with our story. Let me step down here.
I wonder that if when we're wrestling with things or, or situations or, or people in our lives, I wonder if it's possible that just like Jacob, that we're wrestling with God underneath all of it. You know those things that, that we wrestle with and it seems like we do so chronically, right? We just do it over and over and over again. And it's like, I think, I think we beat the sin, we've got it, we beat it, and then it seems like it sneaks back up on us and then we have to wrestle with it all over again. You know, have you ever met a chronic liar? Have you ever met someone like that? We're not gonna do a raise of hands if you are one, but have you ever met one? Did somebody raise their hand? Don't do that. No. Have you ever met one? Someone who really struggles to tell the truth. It's really hard for them. Have you ever asked why? Why in the world do some people struggle to tell the truth? You know, I think some people struggle to tell the truth because of shame. They do it because of shame. They feel that if people were to find out who they really are or what they've really done, that at the end of the day, they would be rejected by everyone else. We call that uh, uh, unworthiness. They feel a lack of worth in their life. And, and let me tell you this, that struggle with worthiness, that's a struggle with God. That's what it is. To, to believe that you are not enough, no matter what you've done, is to believe that God's judgment is that you aren't enough. And for some folks who struggle with the truth, the real struggle is they just can't believe that God could ever accept them exactly as they are, and so they lie. Have you ever met a control freak? Again, keep the hands down. Have you ever met a control freak? Someone, someone that needs to be in control of every single detail in their life, all of it, all the time. Have you ever met someone like this? And what happens in these situations, right, is you get close to someone like this and it seems like their, their need for control tends to bleed into your life and then you start to feel controlled by these people. Do we have this experience, right? It could be. It could be that control freaks struggle with control because they feel like the whole world around them is out of control and it's dangerous. And at the end of the day, people can't be trusted and so they choose to control everything they can. And you see, a struggle with control is actually underneath a struggle with trust. And a struggle with trust that's a struggle with God. It's what it is. To, to believe that no one can be trusted is to believe that God probably can't be trusted either. You know, for some folks who struggle with control, the real struggle is they don't believe or trust that God is trustworthy or good on his words. It's what it is. And so they lean into controlling every aspect of their lives because they can't trust that anyone else they can lean into at all. It's a struggle within a struggle. And I wonder, what about us? What if all the things in life that we struggle with, all of them, that actually underneath all of that is a struggle with God? You know, would our struggles in life look different if we were to recognize on the front end of our struggle that, hey, I'm struggling, 
maybe I'm struggling with God here. What am I struggling with God about? Also, what if we believed that God wants to be there with us in our struggle? You know, that leads us to, to the upper story, right? So l- let me take a hike here. You know, in Jacob's wrestling match with God, God is willing to wrestle with Jacob all night long. And God was even willing to humble himself and kind of lose the wrestling match in order to show Jacob that he could be trusted. Let, Let me tell you a story. When I was just a really young kid, I had to have been like five, for my birthday, I got a present and that present was a turtle. It was a painter turtle. And as a five-year-old, I I, I was trying to figure out what the name was. What did I name that turtle? And it clicked finally. I named that turtle Flipper. Now, if you know anything about painter turtles, they don't have flippers. So that was a young John mistake, but that's okay. It's Flipper the turtle. And Flipper the turtle was great. And he lived in this great little fish tank. And he had this little raft that he could climb up on and hang out and dry out. And, And one day after school, I get home. And I get home and Flipper's under the raft kind of just hanging out under there. And and I'm a little concerned. And so I'm like, hey, mom, can you come and look at Flipper? Maybe there's something wrong. And so she walks in and she looks, she looks closely. And I remember she looks in my eyes and there was that look of fear because she was about to tell me Flipper drowned. Flipper didn't, Flipper didn't make it. And my five-year-old self was crushed in that moment. It was, it was later on that day. It was right before dinner. And my mom said, why don't you go ahead and take a shower and then when you get out of the shower, we'll eat dinner and then, and then we'll move on with the day. And so I go off into the shower and then while I'm in the shower as this little kid, I'm thinking, why in the world would God do this? Why would God let Flipper die? That is not okay. And I was struggling with it and eventually I started to cry. And as I started to cry, my dad had just gotten home from work. He was driving truck and I remember he had this blue uniform on and he had like these brown boots on and he heard me crying and he immediately walked into the bathroom and opened the shower curtain with all of his clothes down and stepped into the shower and sat down and said, we're going to talk about Flipper. And he struggled with me with it all the way through. In some ways, that's a great picture of what God does. The God of the universe, the God who created all things and sustains all things and is unlimited in power and wisdom and knowledge, this God was willing to wrestle it out in the dirt with Jacob all night long. And this is a part of who God is. God is willing to humble himself so that we can grow closer to him. And I don't know if we realize this, but this is completely unprecedented in history. You know, in Jacob's day, the gods did not do things like that. Humility and the gods, those words didn't go together. The gods on a good day saw you as a slave and on a bad day saw you as a nuisance that needed to be dealt with. The gods didn't care about you or your problems or a connection with them. They didn't care. In, in the ancient world, gods treated humans basically as slaves. And that's what it was. You were nothing to them. But then there's this God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and this God seems to be different. This God's willing to get his hands dirty and put his hands into the world and do something about it and interact with the world. This God's willing to get low so Jacob can know God better, even if it means getting in the dirt all night long. And and I wonder, actually, 
how do we view God today? Like if we had the point, where's God at right now? You know, when we think about God, can we picture a God that, that can be present right here in this place right now? Does that make sense for us? Can we picture a God that's willing to humble himself all the time so we can connect with him and grow closer to him and begin to trust him? Or, or, or perhaps for us, we view God as living a million, million, million miles away. And I'll pray to this God, and sometimes those prayers will make it up. And if God's in a good mood, maybe he'll answer a prayer and throw down an answer. Or maybe if he's having a really, really good day, maybe he'll actually provide a miracle. But that's it. You know, what Jacob's wrestling match with God demonstrates is that God is constantly humbling himself so that we can grow closer to him. And folks, this is exactly what happened in Jesus. In Jesus, God humbled himself into the form of a human so that we humans could get to know and trust and believe God. And when the world was in trouble and in loss and it felt like things were falling apart, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was willing to die a humble death on a cross to make it all right again, all for us. You know, the Apostle Paul later would reflect on this. Listen to this who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, in this place, this is the God we worship the God who is present with us wherever we might be. Our God is constantly willing to humble himself, to grow closer to us, to give us access to himself. This is who God is at his very core. And this is why we can trust him and believe in him. Now, I want to step down to our story a second. You know, there's another element to this story that I think we have to touch on. You know, in Jacob's wrestling match with God, Jacob's persistence led to God blessing him. You know, Jacob refused to give up the struggle with God. And, and the outcome of refusing to give up the struggle with God was what? It was blessing from God. You know, sometimes, sometimes lives struggling with God leads to blessing from God. You know, when we struggle to trust God, or when it seems like God let us down, or it seems like God's a million miles away, or, or something happened and you just can't figure out why in the world God would let that happen. Struggling it out with God, choosing to go after that with God, almost always leads to blessing. Now, I think we need to define what blessing means because I think sometimes in our culture, we think of blessing as like you receive something you know, tangible or something like that, right? Like we're like, oh, Jacob got a chariot or in modern day, Ferrari or something. I don't know, he got something. That's, but that's not what a blessing is. 
You know, a blessing for Jacob was a new name and a renewed identity. Jacob got a new name and a new identity. The blessing from God was a change of name from Jacob to Israel. And names in this culture held a lot of significance. Your identity, if you had a name, was tied to your name. What you were named was who you are in some sense. You know, Jacob meant to take advantage of. That's what it meant. To take advantage of people, to take advantage of God. And it's not exactly a positive thing to have as your name. Sorry all the Jacobs that may be here. But God changed his name to Israel. You know what Israel means? One who struggles with God. Jacob's new identity was to be one who constantly struggled with God. Not took advantage of God, not took advantage of other people, but struggled with God in hope that he could grow closer and trust God more daily. And God also blessed Jacob with a limp. And maybe this morning we'll call it a, a holy limp. You know, there's a, one thinker that, that reflects on this passage, and this is what he says. I really like this. He says, the limp is the posture of the saint Walking not in physical strength, but in spiritual strength. You know, we might think that a limp for Jacob was probably not a good idea considering he was headed off to visit his brother Esau and who knows what could have happened, but it's exactly what he needed. That when he was gonna meet Esau, he was gonna go trusting and relying wholly on God and not himself at all. You know, the question for us this morning is when we struggle in life, can we see God, can we see ourselves struggling with God in it? Somehow, somewhere at the center of it. And when we see that we're struggling with God, are we willing to put up a fight and struggle with God through it? Are we willing to do that? And perhaps if we are, God will bless us with a new identity a new name, and a new way to live. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for these amazing, strange stories, God, and how even in, in the more difficult parts of Scripture, you're willing to show up and you have something for us every single time. And God, we, we come to you thankful that you're willing to humble yourself constantly so that we have access to you, so that we can trust you, so that we can grow in relationship with you. And God, we think particularly of Jesus and the way that you humbled yourself all the way to a cross, even to death. You truly have your hands in the dirt here, God, because you love us. And God, may we in our lives learn to love you back and trust you back. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.